Alright, well it's only the end of the season and uh, we're finally coming at you with, a, with an episode. So to address the elephant in the room, um, where the hell have I been? Uh, some family things have kicked off. A lot of sickness and illness in the family um, over these last couple of months. Not gonna lie to you, these last six months have been very, very, very challenging. Um, So hopefully that explains the absence um, that by no means is an excuse. Um, It's just football has quite frankly been the furthest thing from my mind. Um, And I didn't want to just shit out half-assed episodes um, where I'm basically forcing myself to talk. Didn't want to do that. Um, The season is, well, still somehow alive and well. Somehow, the last episode that we have published here, Tua just had a masterclass performance against the Baltimore Ravens. Yes, our last episode was like week three or like week four back in September. Wow, that's that's so hard for me to wrap my head around. But without further ado, now that I finally have maybe some free time, I'll try to upload a lot more frequently, but with that being said, let's get into the episode, and today we're going to talk about more than just the Dolphins. We're going to talk about the entire NFL as a whole, because what a season 2022 has been for good, for bad, for everything in between, for very confusing, all of that. So let's just hop right in. So, to kick things off, we're going to talk about the biggest storyline, I feel, coming out of the entire NFL, especially recently with the DeMar Hamlin situation. Yes, it's been covered by everybody. It's been covered by major news stations, major news outlets, ESPN, individual reporters, the whole nine yards, right? But I feel like the whole DeMar Hamlin situation really talks more about where we stand, not only as a league, but also as like an entire group of people. Um, I never thought I would ever see the Dolphins do anything in support for the Buffalo Bills. Um, And I feel like we also saw that obviously across the entire NFL, across all 32 NFL teams, um, with just incredible support for DeMar Hamlin. Um, incredible support for their fellow man, their fellow player. This man is a brother, father, son, nephew, uncle, right? To a bunch of different people. And yes, what we saw was a complete freak accident. Depending on if you ask Colin Cowherd that or not. But we're not going to get into him in this episode. Um, But I really feel like this whole situation, yes, it was possibly one of the worst things that could have ever happened to an individual, especially on the nationally televised stage that was Monday Night Football. Um, Regardless of whatever the backstory is, whether the team was 1-15 going into this game or had already secured playoff contention, obviously football has taken a backseat with that whole situation. And it's incredible to see the humanity of others come through at a time like this, not only just in the NFL, given a, you know, a very terrible situation has occurred, but across, you know, really, really outside of the sport, really from the outside looking in, 
we're now starting to sort of have that suspension of disbelief, right? Because we see people, these athletes, and a lot of the times we remove the fact that they're people at the, you know, at the heart of it. They have their individual dreams, their individual goals, their individual fears, right? Their individual responsibilities outside of what takes place on Sundays for 60 minutes. Um, We really got to see the humanity of these otherwise seemingly untouchable, unrelatable human beings. Um, The fact that they're not superheroes. The fact that Yes, they're paid millions of dollars, but the risk is so great. And I think we've seen that in full effect, um, given in response to what has happened with the DeMar Hamlin situation. As of right now, we know that he has been released from the hospital. Um, He's on his way back home. And we wish nothing but the best for the guy, regardless of whatever colors you represent Whatever name is on the front and the back of the jersey, you know, you're humans. And we think, and and honestly, it really brings to light a bigger situation than the outcome of a 60-minute athletic, you know, sporting event. Um, So we're really glad to see that DeMar Hamlin is back. He's becoming more healthy every day getting stronger after one night one freak accident everything was almost taken away from him so we love to see that for DeMar obviously the work does not stop the prayers do not stop um it's a long road ahead but we know that DeMar Hamlin will get through this whether or not he straps up again for the Buffalo Bills we're just glad that he's happy healthy and most importantly, alive, and as we know right now, hasn't suffered any major lingering damage later on in his life. And so with all that being said about DeMar Hamlin, obviously our thoughts are still with you, DeMar, as well as the entire Buffalo Bills organization as we head into this postseason. Miami actually made the postseason. Um, What a wild up-and-down season. It's been, I guess, is, the, is, is really the best way that I can really say it. Um, we would lose three. We would win five. We would lose five. We would beat the Jets in what was arguably one of the ugliest games that I've ever watched. And that is taking into account the 2008 Monday Night Football Showdown in Heinz Field with the Pittsburgh Steelers, also known as the Mud Bowl. Remember that punt? And the rain was so bad in Pittsburgh that night that the ball didn't even bounce. It just stuck in the ground. Um, But regardless, Miami has somehow found their way into the playoffs with a bunch of storylines this year. Tua's frequent injuries... Right, a banged-up defense. We lost Nick Needham very early on in the season. We lost Brandon Jones very early on in the season. Obviously, Tua has been in and out with the recent concussions that he has unfortunately sustained. And Let's just hope for his sake, right? Looking back, you know, even bringing the DeMar Hamlin situation into this, you know, once again, we're looking at that suspension of disbelief where it's like, oh, shit, 
Okay, right, because we're so used to seeing these these athletes come back from just about pretty much anything, right? Everybody loves a good redemption story. And right now we're seeing the stark reality of what happens with life, with, you know, various different injuries. Um, You know, it's so easy to look back at, let's just say, you know, even though it's a completely different sport, right? We look back at somebody like a Jabari Parker, you know, of the NBA, who had so much potential, just oozing off the page. GMs were willingly risking their careers on saying that this guy is a can't-miss prospect and would do anything to kind of position themselves to either be in a good position to acquire him or to go up against him. This kid wasn't even drafted and teams were all ready, you know, looking at ways to stop him from a completely hypothetical standpoint. And it's so easy to look back and see, oh yeah, man, injuries, dude, what a damn shame, right? It's in- And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen to Tua. You know, 20 years from now, we're all going to look back and think like, oh shit, right, man, what could have been due to injuries? But it's still, you know, a reality that a lot of the times we try not to look at. It's a, it, it's, it's a reality that a lot of the times people don't want to talk about because yes, it, it is ugly. And unfortunately we, we see a lot of the times potential is cut so short due to the rigidity of, you know, trying to be the best of sometimes hell you see these, you know, some of the, like, like you hear said all the time in New York, right. Especially with like the street ballers, right. Oh man, he was the best that I've ever seen, but he couldn't make it to the league because of X, Y, and Z you know, because of whether it's off-field issues, you know, personal issues, or even injury-related issues. So let's just hope that as of right now, Tua has not been cleared by the concussion protocol doctors, um, the independent doctors that Miami has gone out of their way to get because, well, unfortunately, the stark reality of the situation is this has been a frequent recurrent issue. So obviously it calls into speculation was Tua dealing with this at the University of Alabama, right? And nobody said anything. Yes, we all know of the injury that he sustained to his hip while he was at the University of Alabama. But is this something that has been frequent? Is this something that has, you know, been documented in his past, you know, that either we knew of? Heading into the season, hell, heading into even when we drafted the guy. Um, You know, is this something, you know, and I'm not saying like, oh, that should have raised a couple of red flags. It's just, I find it very interesting if this is something that, you know, has had a history up until this point. Yes, this season, obviously, we can see the well-documented history of what has happened with the concussions, but... It's very hard to speculate and look back at that because it very well, you know, this, this, this could be a recurring theme. Um, and it goes back to once again, are we forgetting that these are people first, um, as opposed to multi-million dollar athletes. But with all that being said, Miami has made it into the playoffs. We play the bills 
in the wild card weekend. Our third matchup with the Bills this season. Um, we're one and one against the Bills going into this game. We've got a lot of injuries. Teron Armstead has not played for several weeks. Tua obviously has been listed as out. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Tyreek Hill, right? There's just a lot of injuries. And unfortunately, yes, you know, and, and, and I don't want to be that fan that blames the injury bug, right? Because unfortunately, this is, as we've talked about several times before, just within like these last 10 minutes, this is something that is the reality, right? And a lot of the times you'll see people be like, oh man, what would have happened if, I don't know, RG3 wouldn't have never gotten injured. Unfortunately, we'll never know that, right? Is there an alternate universe where maybe RG3 is the best since Tom Brady? Sure, but you can also say that there's somewhere there's an alternate universe if you believe in it, right? Where Jimmy Clausen was the greatest NFL quarterback of all time, right? Speculation is always fun, but it's not the reality of the situation. And the reality of the situation is Miami is going up against an obvious Super Bowl contender. We've been saying that the Bills were Super Bowl contenders since the preseason. Hell, since last season, right? They got a chip on their shoulder. They're going to come out and absolutely, you know, in Orchard Park, it's going to be massive, um, Skylar Thompson, as of right now, is the starting quarterback. No respect to Skylar Thompson. But do I feel that Miami is going to win this game against the Bills? Absolutely not. Um, I would love for us to get the victory over the Bills. However, am I expecting it? Absolutely not. And I don't think anybody really is. Um, it'd be one of the greatest stories right? If we came back and we somehow beat the Bills in Orchard Park and, you know, this is becoming a recurrent theme with Miami, whether it was our first choice or whether it's what we're down to. Um, a lot of the times Miami is ending their season with practice squad players. I don't know if you guys can hear the ambulance. I promise. Yes, we're talking a lot about injuries in this episode, but everything is okay. I don't know if you guys heard the ambulance, but uh, shout out, shout out to our healthcare workers, if you're listening. We appreciate you. We love you. But do I feel that Miami, look, Miami's got a chance, okay? Yes, Raheem Mostert just went down with a broken thumb, um, so it's probably really doubtful for him to come back. Yeah, we saw X, and obviously in this last game against the Jets, that's the best that Xavier Howard has looked all season. But you got to take that with a grain of salt because, once again, he's been in and out of the lineup with a lot of injuries as well. Um, But he played fantastic. He had two huge pass breakups on that final drive. And I loved it. I thought he looked great. Um, The defense obviously won us that game. Speaking of the defense, um, if we even want to have a prayer, if we want to have a prayer of an ice cube in hell of beating the Bills um, this weekend. The defense has got to step up. Um, and that's not saying like, oh, they haven't been on all week, you know, all year. 
Because we've had one of the better run-stopping defenses. We have. Which isn't really a shock, but given how our team was really built from the secondary in, as opposed to from the defensive front to the secondary, um, it kind of shocks me that our run defense was significantly higher than our pass defense. Once again, sure, injuries and everything are going to play you know, a major role into that. Um, obviously, we don't have Nick Needham. We've got Keon Crossan taking his spot. We don't have Brandon Jones. Um, we've got Cater Kohu, right? That's not any disrespect to any of those guys. Miami also has a track record of a lot of undrafted free agents or very late round picks that we've talked about um, here on this podcast, Right? But I really love to see what Jalen Phillips is finally starting to morph into. Is this his ceiling? Absolutely not. But it's amazing that he has had such a breakout season the way that he has, given the amount of competition that he's been given. Obviously, with the likes of Melvin Ingram, Bradley Chubb was the late you know, trade deadline pickup. You know, it was good to see that Jalen Phillips, despite... You know, all of the competition at the defensive end position, he's had a fantastic season. Um, Solely looking forward to a lot more coming from him, as well as Christian Wilkins. We already knew that he was that guy, but he has exploded this year. Jerome Baker, once again, another 100-tackle season. Fantastic. Um, Javon Holland playing great, right? So we've got a lot of really good pieces on the defense to continue to build around, right? We've got the guys. And I think, honestly, we can now, we're getting to the point because, yes, we picked up Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb, I want to say, is only like, what, 26, 27? Right? Like, he's my age. I always joke about the fact that I'm a fucking old man. But Bradley Chubb is only 27, pro bowl caliber talent that we somehow took away from Denver which that's once again not really saying much but um, what I consider this season a win um, I don't really know I, I honestly can't say that from a wins perspective it's not the best season that we've had within the last three years um, win-wise, it's not. Um, so that's something to be taken with a grain of salt. But, you know, we've seen many, many late seeds in the playoffs, six seeds, seven seeds, make it past the wild card round, um, sometimes all the way to, you know, the divisional round or even the conference round, right? So anything is possible Um, I'm not expecting much out of the dear old Finns. Um, Would I consider this season a win? I don't know. Um, Given the expectations and the storylines that all happened in this offseason, right? We lost a first-round draft pick because Stephen Ross was talking to Tom Brady and Sean Payton. Right? We were a very streaky team. Um, You know, we would win a bunch of games. We would lose the exact same amount of games. Um, At times, I thought our team was run by Jeff Fisher. 
We've lost a lot of one-score games. We've been in a majority of all of our games. Um, look, if you're going to, you know, choose the one moment in this season that really encapsulates what it was that the Dolphins did this season, um, obviously you got to talk about the comeback versus Baltimore on the road. That was huge. Um, two was coming out party, obviously. There was a couple of times where I don't think Thomas Morstead... I think we had one game where Morstead didn't even punt the ball once. I can't remember what week it was. So that was huge, right? The defense played really well for a lot of games, um, pretty consistently, right? Blocked punt, right? What's going on with Josh Boyer? There's a lot of question marks still, so I can't give a definitive answer as to whether this season was a success or a failure. Um, I feel like any season, obviously, where you've got a winning record. And also, let's talk about that. Three winning seasons in a row for the Dolphins and only one playoff appearance in these three seasons. Obviously, our first playoff appearance since 2016. Um, Granted, we haven't won a playoff game in I think we're tied with the Lions for the longest, like, postseason drought. Um, Not of appearances, but of wins. Um, So that's kind of cool, right? That's something, that's that's a little chip to play with, maybe. Um, Obviously, we know that the players are definitely going to be taking that into account, for sure. Um, And everybody's writing them off, right? Even I just did right with 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 the bills it's hard to stay toe to toe with that team right obviously the flashbacks of last year with the chiefs the bills are a very hard team to predict other than they're going to come out and they're going to score 30 points that's the only thing that we know of for sure on a week in week out basis that if you're a gambling man you put money down on that all the time right that's the only thing that we know We also know that the Bills are a very well-put-together team, offensively, defensively, special teams, right? They are one of the most complete teams, um, and we'll probably see them at the very end. Now, anything can happen, right? Any given Sunday or Saturday, whenever the hell we play this game. But do I expect a lot out of us? Miami's going to fight. Do I expect us to win? Absolutely not. So... Depending on what's going to happen over these playoffs, um, yes, the season was a success from the fact that we got into the playoffs for the first time since 2016. It's been about seven years. But with that being said, there's still too many question marks for what was once, you know, looking like a Super Bowl winning team, you know, when we were eight and three. To all of a sudden now, we kind of had to limp to the finish line and beat a nail-biter against the Jets, right? So there's a lot, there's a lot of question marks that hopefully um, give me some time here to think about some stuff, and maybe I can give like a more thorough answer, um, and then we'll probably agree or disagree, and we'll go from there. But, so those are my thoughts on the Dolphins this year. Coming up after the break, I want to talk about the team that surprised me the most this year. 
the Detroit Lions in my mock draft way back when, almost a year ago, right? I said, watch out for the Lions. They're building something special. And, um, well, sure as fuck they have. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about the Detroit Lions, the underdog for the last 100 years, and how finally Detroit might have turned a corner. Coming up after the break. The Lions, bro. Yes, we're actually talking about the Detroit Lions. And not only that, right? We're not accompanying it with, hey, these guys really fucking suck. Um, they started the season, what, 2-6, and 1-7? and seven? Something atrocious. And they turned it around to finish 9-8. and eight. And by the way, beat Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau Field in what was a must-win game for the Packers. Did they throw it? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that the Lions very quietly had the best turnover ratio in the National Football League, as well as, like, what, 6,000 yards, 4,000 passing, 2,000 rushing combined with all players. Aiden Hutchinson, nine and a half sacks, three interceptions. In any other draft class that does not have Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati, you got to give it to Aiden for Defensive Rookie of the Year, right? You have to. Yeah, Tariq Woolen played really well. Sauce Gardner played really well. And I need to apologize because I thought Sauce Gardner was going to be kind of eh. It's still early. And I only say that because he's on the Jets for no other reason. Um, I have no reason to hate the man. The, the, the man's name is Sauce. How do you hate that? Right? Like, you fucking can't. But the, but the Lions are looking good. Right, they got a competent head coach in Dan Campbell, who's a bit of a loose cannon. I'll admit, right? He was our interim coach in 2015. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. He's a hard-nosed football guy, and he's exactly what the city of Detroit needs, right? Because not only that, at, I got to thinking, right, which is a very sometimes kind of a dangerous thing for me to do, right? But I got to thinking as I was watching the Sunday night football game. This whole season encapsulates everything that the city of Detroit has gone through, right? I'm just looking for big motifs this week, apparently, right? But we saw a team who was counted down and out at two and six. Everybody was calling to fire Dan Campbell, and he led them to their first winning season in the last five years with remarkable production from guys that were written off. Alex Anzalone, Malcolm Rodriguez... Justin Houston, right? Who, by the way, also had a fantastic fucking season. I think all of the Detroit Lions rookies combined for something obnoxious like 19 and a half sacks. Like, just the four of them. Which is absolutely absurd to me. They got some great players in Kirby Joseph, Alex Anzalone. Like, the Lions are good. And it's weird to kind of say that. Right? It's weird to say that in the 21st century, a Lions team not led by Matthew Stafford with Calvin Johnson 
would actually be one of the most potent offenses in the entire National Football League. Right? I think they scored over 30 points, what, something in something just wild like six times, probably more than that. Right? You had Jamal Williams break Barry Sanders' franchise record. Does it count? There was an extra game. Does it count? I'm going to count it. DeAndre Swift still looking great. Jeff Okuda looking great. They're a couple of pieces away. If they can keep everything together, right? Jared Goff has completely rewritten everything, right? Going into the season, I used to call him Jared Goofball. He has like 300 passing attempts without an interception. Down the stretch, right, in what was actual meaningful football in the city of Detroit. Like, wow, dude. Wow. That's insane to me. The Lions are actually a good football team. The Lions actually finished with the same record as the Dolphins, but because the NFC is so goddamn stacked, the Lions couldn't get in. Right, which made it a little bittersweet, right, to see that the Seattle Seahawks had already won their game. They were in play, like, they were guaranteed the playoffs. The only thing they needed to do was the Packers lose, and god damn it, the Lions came up clutch. So, the city of Seattle, whenever you want to put I would say a bunch of fucking Starbucks in the state of Michigan, but they've, they've already they've got those everywhere, right. Whatever you want to do for the city of Detroit, please, God, right? But that game on Sunday night was really the entire, kind of like the nucleus almost, you could say, of like the entire city of Detroit, right? Something that once had so much weight to it, right? When you said, oh shit, we got to go play Detroit, that actually meant something about 20, 30 years ago, right? The people who follow Lions football... They're a lot like us Dolphin fans, right? We've seen it all. We've seen the rise. We've seen the fall. And unfortunately, we're still living in the fall, right? But we're coming back the fuck up. Maybe Detroit a little way ahead of schedule, which is fucking amazing for them. Absolutely remarkable. I'm amazed that they could still put a team together after Javi Bias on the Detroit Tigers basically asked for everything. Um, look at his contract. It's fucking gross. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, it's gross, right? I mean, it's not gross if you're Javi Baez, but it's gross if you got to pay Javi Baez, right? Why am I talking about baseball? I don't fucking know. I'm just so at a loss for words that I'm just giving you a bunch of them, right? But it really did capture, right, a city that was once so good that has had such a drastic fall from grace, right? Unapologetic. But at the same time, it never really lost the hustle and the grind that Detroit is notoriously known for, right? The hustle, the grind. You got Dan Campbell looking like he just got off the planet GM, right? Looks like he's about to ask me if I want a Budweiser and a Marlboro Red. Like, he's just that guy. Right? He's a down-to-earth, salt-to-the-earth, just a football guy. And exactly what that franchise needs. They're a couple of pieces away, man. They are. They're a couple of pieces away 
from being legitimate, like, returning playoff team every single year. They are. And it's kind of wild to say that, but honestly, Detroit is its own worst enemy right now. The only person that is going to fuck over Detroit and the progress that they're making is going to be themselves, right? Detroit, just get the fuck out of your own way, right? If Detroit can just manage to stay out of their own way, the NFC North might get really, really interesting over the next decade. They've got a top five pick thanks to their trade with the Rams. I think they actually have two first round picks that are in the top 20 in a really good draft class. Yeah, people are saying that they're going to get Brian Brees, right? Who knows, right? Do you keep Jared Goff as the quarterback given his recent play? I think you do. The last, what, six or seven games, he didn't throw an entire, he didn't throw a fucking pick. He threw 15 touchdowns, no interceptions. That's elite cornerback play. And we're just going to kind of brush that off, man. The same old Lions, they're done. It's a great day. It's a beautiful day in Detroit. In Miami, there's a lot of questions. A lot of questions. A lot of really good positive answers, though. A lot of really good positive pieces going forward. But... Miami's story is going to get really interesting the closer that we get to next season. It's going to be very interesting how we went from a damn near Super Bowl, not 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 damn near, right? People had us slotted top two in the power rankings behind the Eagles, right? People had us as Super Bowl contenders, Super Bowl winners, right? There was so much promise, and all of a sudden, it just got dashed away. We started out 8-3. and three. We finished the stretch 1-6. and six. Like, just let that sink in for a... Or no, 1-5. and five. I'm dumb. I can't do math. But still, 20% winning. That's ugly. That is really, really fucking ugly, right? And you don't need any... You know, you don't need me to tell you that, right? Miami went from the second in the AFC East at eight and three to the very last playoff spot at the 11th hour, right? Are we about to see the craziest Cinderella story run of all time? I fucking hope so, because I'll never shut the fuck up about it. I hope we do. Is it realistic? No. Okay, but look, I would, you know, if we could just beat Buffalo in the playoffs, best season of all time, right? We break the fucking donut that we've had for the last couple of years, and we come back and we knock out the Bills out of the playoffs in the first fucking round. If that happens, I will never shut the fuck up about it, honestly. I'll be like that town crier guy who just keeps saying, like, the same thing on repeat. Almost like, oh, shit, what are those machines that were, like, in, like, the arcades? I think they have, like, a game now. It's called, like, the all-knowing Akbar or something like that, where, like, you type in, like, the most random shit. And, like, it just asks you questions. And eventually it finds out. Like, it just knows everything. It's really weird. Um, I'm getting way off topic. 
But I think that as it stands right now, in the year of our Lord, 2023, there's a lot of questions for the Dolphins. Are we going to see, right, something that's so habitual for us, right? Because the same thing happened in 2016, right? We made the playoffs by the skin of our teeth, led by Matt Moore. It was fucking incredible, and we got bounced in the first round by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then what happened from 2016 then? Not a lot, right? Not a lot of bat, not, not a lot of football in the months of January and February for the dear old Finns, right? Over the last six or seven years. Damn, it's already been seven years. Jesus, right? Which is crazy. But, you know, are we going to see a repeat of the last six years after this, right? Is it too early to blow up the roster? Absolutely, right? We've blown up the roster to get the roster that we have. Unfortunately, there was a lot of injuries. There was a lot of really cheap penalty calls. Um, Looked no more than the sack Jalen Phillips had on Justin Herbert. That's a roughing the passer penalty. Uh, Still don't know how, right? But there's a lot of Obviously, there's a lot of good things to talk about with the Dolphins. Um, from an individual standpoint, there's a lot of good to talk about with the Dolphins. Obviously, Tyreek Hill breaking franchise records to uh, Jalen Waddle, right? The defense, right? You can go on about the great individual accolades that Miami has accomplished. However, Miami kind of struggles with a team and a team identity, right? Here's what I mean by that. Look no further than how streaky we've been all year. Win three, lose three. Win five, lose five, right? Is this just a thing of like, oh, Miami's got to get hot at the right time? Like, how can you say that with a straight face, though? Because obviously we know how dangerous this team can be because we've seen it, right? We've seen this team be absolutely, ridiculously dangerous. Yes, there's some flaws. They live by the deep pass. They die by the deep pass, right? Yes, we rely on Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle to go seven yards on a slant, and then they just do the rest. That's good coaching, right, by Mike McDaniel. Right? That's fucking fantastic coaching. Right? You're playing into your players' best strengths for sure. But where are they as a team identity? What is going on as a team identity? For good, for worse, for kind of neutral. It's really hard to pinpoint one word, right, to really capture Miami's team identity. And I think that is the biggest problem and the main thing standing in Miami's way, right? Are you trying to duplicate what other teams have done, but they're trying to do it individualistically, not necessarily as a team, right? Are you embracing a team culture or, right, do you buy a ticket and say, man, I can't wait to go see all 53 members of the Miami Dolphins or, man, I can't wait to watch this one guy go out and do all of his things. 
right? Because look, that's like, unfortunately, is that kind of hyperbolic? Yeah, sure, to make that comparison. But when you look at it, that's exactly how Miami has lived and died this season, right? Yes, you can make the argument, obviously, every quarterback plays into the system, right? Every quarterback has the game plan. The coach has the game plan for their given strengths, right? We've seen that. We know that, right? We know the deep ball. We know, right, the seven-yard slants, the outs, right? Just getting the guys in good space by constantly always moving. Yes. But is that your team? Right, we had this in the offseason, right? We all kind of joked about it and called it the Legion of Zoom. But, like, is that really your team's identity? Because what happens when you run out of gas? What happens when you eventually crash that fucking car, right, in the Legion of Zoom, right? What happens, right? So at this point, I do I feel the playoffs were deserved given the way that the last two months have gone for Miami Dolphins football? Honestly, I don't think so because Miami almost played themselves right the fuck out of it, right? Yes, you can make the argument of injuries, terrible officiating, all that shit, right? You take all of that away, right? You take away the injuries, maybe we have better success than what we do right now. Right, is a lot of it and the downward slide that we were on for two months was that defenses finally figuring out how to stop the Dolphins, which is just sit a couple of guys back and just hang the fuck out and all, right, you have the nickel and all of the linebackers and hell, even some DNs drop back into zone coverage and you're really only rushing three. Is that the way to stop the Dolphins? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, but as an entire team, right, there's really no culture that the Dolphins have established. There's not, right? And the reason why I bring up the Lions, right, which is going to be weird to use them in like a good side of like the comparison sheet, right? But you look at a team like the Lions. That's what the whole team is based on. It's based on identity. It's based on a team culture, not just names on the backs of jerseys. That's just my two cents. All right, get mad at me in the comments like you always fucking do, (laughs) right? But I honestly believe that Miami has a culture problem. Miami... Right? I'm not saying that the locker room is lost. I'm not saying that the locker room is bad. I'm not saying that there's one cancerous person in the locker room. I'm not saying that. Right? As far as I'm concerned, I'm pretty sure that everybody's best friends with each other. Right? But even look at the way that they've played over these last couple stretch of games. Is that fatigue from, once again, going to the well so many fucking times? Right? By using the same play call? if not a very similar play call, right? Is that a proponent in it? Is just overall fatigue, which is now resulting in injuries as a result of the high energy? Could be, yeah. You could make that argument, right? But look at the demeanor and look at the way that these guys are interacting with each other on the field. You go from, let's just say week fucking, what? Week seven? to week 16, look at the body language, man. Look at the lack of hustle. Look at the lack of 
focus. I don't want to say the lack of interest, right? But it can kind of camouflage itself that way. I think Miami has a lot of really good individual players at full strength and when everybody's fully healthy. Do I think Miami is a good team? Not really. I think we're just good enough. And once again, if we're playing to just be good enough, why the fuck make all the roster moves that we did? Right? We went, what, 10-7 and last year? We actually had a better win-loss record last year with seriously depleted talent. And even the year before that. Right? Never forget when Ryan Fitzpatrick was the leading rusher for the Miami Dolphins. Right? Why did we have so much success with Ryan Fitzpatrick? You know, it goes back into that. It goes back into the culture and the identity. Say what you will about Brian Flores. I don't know the guy from a fucking ham sandwich. I only know what is being told to me. Right? Brian Flores had a culture. Brian Flores had a swagger about him and about the locker room, right? Brian Flores instilled a winning mentality in these guys that didn't really give a shit what your name was, what your draft position was, what your trade value and what your cap value was, right? Now, look, it's two completely different people. Is Brian Flores and Mike McDaniel. You got two completely different people, two completely different personalities, Right, one has brought in a lot more life, for sure, right? You you see them out there, they're having fun. When they're winning, right? When they're winning, they're having fun. Yeah, you can make that argument for any fucking team, of course. But from the two years under Flores and the one year thus far under McDaniel, that's the thing that really jumps off the page to me, is the lack of a team culture and the lack of a team identity. In my personal opinion, I don't know what goes on in the locker rooms. I don't know any of that shit. I don't know what goes on in their personal lives. I don't want to know because I'd be incredibly jealous and then I'd be really fucking depressed for like a long time. Because I could hate the guy, but he's got like millions of dollars and I'm going to be like, you son of a bitch. I hate you even more now. (laughs) Right? But you know, that's the thing that jumps off the page. I don't really know all of the ins and the outs of the Brian Flores situation, nor do I care because it's all in the past, right? It's like a really toxic relationship. Don't worry, baby. I love you. It's all in the past. I'm changed. I promise. That's not from experience, by the way. That's just how I know people be saying that from the TV shows that I watch, right? On, uh, on the Hulu flicks. Yeah, right? But that's the thing that stands out to me is a major lack of identity, a major lack of culture, right? And maybe I'm completely wrong and it's just not forming and it hasn't had a chance to form, right? Because yeah, Brian Flores had two years. Mike McDaniel's only in his first, right? I get that. I'm willing to have my mind changed. But as it stands right now, after watching all 17 games of the Miami Dolphins, especially when we were eight and three top of the fucking mountain to where we're in the valley trying to climb back up, right? Is that the culture that you want to instill? 
the one that settles for mediocrity, the one that settles for just good enough to get the job done? Because if that is, why the fuck make the changes? Why not let Brian Flores do his own thing heading into this year? Why not? Right? So there's a lot of questions within the Dolphins organization that I wouldn't think that I would be asking myself after three consecutive winning seasons and one playoff appearance. Right? I don't know. Yeah, the coaching staff got completely revamped. That's probably got something to do with it as well. For sure. Right? The only guy that we kept from the Brian Flores era, if you want to call it that, was fucking Josh Boyer, the defensive coordinator. Once again, we didn't see the defense dominate as much as it has the previous two seasons. Is that a Josh Boyer thing? Or is that a play calling thing and a lack of experience thing? Once again, I'm not trying to fire shots at anybody. I'm just making fucking astute observations. Right? Feel free to tell me where I'm wrong, but I haven't seen defensive production this season the way that I have in the previous seasons with Brian Flores. I'm not trying to advocate to bring Brian Flores back. I don't fucking know. He probably, I don't know if they got a picture of him in the building that says, do not allow on premises. I don't know. They fucking might. I don't know. I don't know the inner workings. Hopefully, I will have a lot more answers to a lot more questions or a lot more answers will reveal themselves as we head towards the offseason and into next season, right? But the long-awaited wait is over. I have finally uploaded an episode that is longer than 30 fucking seconds. Oh, my God! But I appreciate all of you that have decided to stick around. And if you have gone, I hate to see you go. But if you're hearing this, welcome back. I love all of you. It's been way too long. Hopefully life will kind of peter out a little bit here, make itself a little bit more manageable um, to where we can do this a little bit more on a very um, regimented sort of schedule. Um, That's all I got. I've talked way too much. I forgot how much these episodes require me to talk um, and say like different shit and not say like the same thing about six or seven times, even though I'm pretty sure I probably did. But that's all I got, guys. I appreciate every single one of you. Um, I'm looking forward to making more content with you guys as I can make it. Um, I'm going to try to do a bunch of stuff this offseason. I don't know what yet, um, but I guess we'll find out. Thank you guys so much, wherever you're listening to, however you're listening. I'm just glad that you're here. I hope you enjoyed your stay. And make sure when you leave, you wipe your feet on the carpet. Okay, don't bring any of that shit in or out of my house. Right? I love all of you. And like we always say here at the Finish It Podcast, God bless and go Miami Dolphins.